Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from Pastor Luke Cobray. And so here we are finding this, this season or trying to figure out a way to navigate the unknown, to navigate the uncertainties. And when we look at the world around us and when we look at the season that we're in and we look at our city, I remember as, as, as the, the riots in San Bernardino happened and the, and the curfew came on, the, you know, feeling disconnected from the city in which I grew up and watching it by some of y'all's Facebook lives as you were driving around, I was watching you. I was on your Facebook like, what's going on? What? I know that I've been there and, and watching what's going on just to recognize and to realize this is a tough time that, that we are in a very difficult place in, in our lives in this season and, and I'm amazed that here we are enduring this but you know what's so fascinating to me is that this isn't just an American issue now at this point it's not just America's having a hard time. It's not just America's going through, through things. It's a global issue. The entire world is literally facing the unknowns of tomorrow with the difficulties where things like disease and dysfunction and dystopia become our normal. And now all of a sudden we look at life and we say, what on earth are we going to do? But when we think about how hard life is and how things have become the way they are and how it's difficult to do the things that were so easy to do, and we look at this moment, as I even look at my own life, as, as somebody who planted a church and having to adapt and to pivot to an online and a broadcast model within three weeks, I look at this and I, I thought to myself, you know, has it always been this difficult? And then when you go back into history and you look at the, the history of us as a species, as humanity, as a species, and we go back to the very beginning, we realize that life has always been hard. From the very beginning in the story of Genesis, at the, at the onset of sin, God's promise to Adam, God's promise to Eve is basically this. Y'all's life's going to get a lot harder now. And from that moment on, we have lived through the hardships of the realities of existence every day. And as we do, I love, even in the story of Genesis, God told Adam, it's going to be hard. You're going to work. You're going to toil. You're going to sweat. He told Eve, you're going to have kids, and it's going to hurt. And, but all of this, he says, but there's hope towards it. And life has always been hard for people. Life has always been hard for humanity. There's never been a time in human history where it has not been hard to live. And throughout the course of history, we have always sought after hope. A hope for tomorrow. A hope that tomorrow would be better than today. A hope that things will improve. And most of human history proves that our hope is based on the assumption of two things. Progress and time. Let me explain that to you. As we progress as a people and as time progresses on, things will get better. This has always been the way it has. As, as we go from hunters and gatherers to, to villages, and as we go from villages to tribes, and as we go from tribes to cities, and as we go from cities to, to nations, and as we go from nations to countries, and as we go from a people to the industrialization, as now all of a sudden we have machines that can do our jobs for us. And now that we have machines, life should be easier. And now the technology advances, it should be better. And we always assume 
assume that as we progress as a people and as time continues on, that hope eventually will catch up to us. But there's a problem. Because look at the world in which we live today. We are more progressed than we've ever been. We are furthest advanced from the beginning of humanity than we've ever been. We have more technology available at our fingertips than we've ever had before. We have more information available to us at any given time than we've ever had before. We have more resources and more with globalization. We have more things available to us than we have ever had before. But yet when we look at the condition of the humanity or of the world, of the society in which we live, is it any better? I mean, when you really think about it, slavery, slavery globally is on the rise. Hunger globally is on the rise. Poverty globally is on the rise. We are blessed here in America to live in the bubble that we live in, but the world is actually not getting better. And so the assumption that progress and time will eventually bring hope to you and I leads us to this false conclusion that there is no hope. And it makes me think to a story of a man in the Bible by the name of Job. Not Job, Job. And Job, many believe in literary, literary senses, is the oldest writing of Scripture, the oldest story told in Scripture. And this man, Job, is a righteous man. Job is a man who is upright before God, but Job has the worst of the worst that happens to him. And in Job, one of, in, in, in the story of Job in the eighth chapter, one of his friends is counseling him. And he, and he tells Job, he says, life is like the grass. It grows in the sun and, and it has waters in the marsh. But then the sun scorches the grass before it reaches its height. Like a flower that, that springs out of a meadow, but before it's ready to be cut, is withered down. He says, this is what life is like. And then Bildad, Job's friend, says these words, the same is happening like, or the same happens to all who forget God. The hope of the godless evaporates like that. And it's, if we take a moment and we pause and we look at the world in which we live, this is exactly the situation of what we live. We think that technology will make our lives better. We think those little devices that now control us would make our lives better. We think that, we think that, that if, it's a, if it's a candidate or a political party, that it'll make our lives better. We think that if we could just make a little bit more money, it'll make our lives better. We think if we could just buy that thing that we've been wanting all of our lives, it'll make our our lives better. We think that if we could just go on that vacation that we missed out because coronavirus canceled it, it will make our lives better. But then what happens? That person gets elected. You end up buying that thing you've been looking for. You go on that vacation and it rained the whole time. The, the thing you bought broke and the person who promised that they would bring change to the world didn't do what they said they would do. Why? Because like it says here that the hopes of the godless evaporate. And yet we continually time and time and time again place our hopes in the, in the assumption that progress and time will eventually make things 
better. And so what happens? Disappointment comes. One after the next, after the next, wave after wave, (laughs) century after century, generation after generation. And cynicism rises. And all of a sudden we start to wonder, there must not be hope. Life must just be chaos. It must just be a random order of events in which we have no control over. Therefore, live your best life now. Forget morality, forget laws, forget everybody else. Look out for you because this is all you get. And hope evaporates. But there's such good news for you. There's such good news for me. And that news is this, is that the hope of the godless evaporates, but there is a hope. And this is a real hope. This is a lasting hope. This is a transformational hope. This is a hope that will actually lead us to a place where life will be better. The world around us can be better. That we can improve and it doesn't come from progress and it doesn't come from time. It comes from a completely different source. And hope has a name and that name is Jesus. I love the writings of Paul. Paul's probably my favorite person on all of the earth to read, as well as most everybody else who reads because he's the most read person on earth. Paul, as you know him in the the New Testament, he's writing a letter to some of his friends in a city called Ephesus. We call this the book of Ephesians. Paul, as he's writing to his friends, he says these words in Ephesus. He says these words in verse number 12. I'll put it up on on the screen for you. He says, remember that there was a time that you were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants or the, 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 the contracts of promise. You had no hope and were without God in the world, evaporating. Paul is reminding this church comprised of many people who were called Gentiles or outsiders to the Jewish way or to the Jewish faith. And he's reminding them, remember, you were on the outside looking in. You weren't covenanted. You weren't brought in. You weren't promised of God. You had no claim to the goodness of God other than to watch it happen to somebody else. That's what Paul is saying. But he says, but now. In Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Hope has a name. His name is Jesus. I love how Paul goes on. He goes on and explains some things, and then he comes back. I'll take you down to verse 19. He says, so now you are no longer strangers. You're no longer aliens or outsiders. You are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Paul says that you had evaporating hope because you had nothing to found it on but other than progress and time. But Jesus Christ came and he made a way for you and I who were on the outside looking in to open the door to find hope that changes the world, that changes our life, that changes our ways so that we can recognize we have been brought in to the family of Christ. This is a great hope. This is a hope that tells you that you are valued. 
in a time where isolation and, and insulation becomes the norm, God values you. That you are loved, that you are treasured, that you are accepted. When you sneeze at a grocery store and everybody looks at you like you got the Rona and they're looking at you like you're infectious, God says, I love you. That's the hope of Jesus Christ. But I love this hope because this hope is, is, a, is a steadfast hope. It's not a fleeting hope. It's not, a, it's not a, a hope that's based on how we feel. It's not a hope that's based on how it looks. It's not a hope that's based on progress. It's not a hope that's based on time. It's a hope that's based on the throne of heaven and the authority of God. The book of Hebrews, in whom we don't know, wrote this book. The book of Hebrews is writing to a, a group of Jewish believers in Jesus that are considering leaving their faith because of the hardships, the evaporating hopes that they're seeing. And this reminder comes to them in Hebrews 6. It says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of our souls. A hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, becoming our high priest after the order of Melchizedek, the very first person known as a priest. And the scripture is reminding us that our hope is anchored not in your presidential hopeful candidate, it's not anchored on a movement of reform. It's not anchored even in a building. It's not anchored in a system. It's not anchored on an economy. It's not anchored on a country. Your hope is anchored to the very throne of God that was inaccessible by humanity but was brought to us by Jesus. It is solid, concreted. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what it looks like. You have a solid hope in Jesus Christ. But this hope, it's solid, it's unchanging. But we got to go further because this hope, it's not irrational either. You see, irrationality denies, irrationality, irrational thought is based on optimism. And optimism denies reality. Like that song from Annie, the sun will come out tomorrow. Everything will be okay tomorrow. That's progress and time, yet again. But you see, your hope is not based on, on irrationality. Your head is not in the clouds. It's not a deniability of the situation in which you are in. You recognize that life is hard, but hope is greater. You see, the world could use optimism. That's wonderful. But optimism will never change the world. What will change the world is Jesus Christ. I love, again, what Paul the Apostle writes. Paul writes these words. He says to his, his friends now at the church in a place called Corinth, in his second letter, actually probably his third letter, he writes to his friends and he says these words. He's telling them about his own life. And he says, listen, life is hard. Anybody been there? Paul says it like this. Indeed, we felt like we had received a death sentence. It was so bad that Paul says literally we just wanted to die. That's how bad the situation was for Paul. That's how bad it was. But look what Paul says. 
He says we felt like we had received a sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. But look, 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 not only that, goes on, he says, and he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us, and on him we have set our hope, look at this, that he will deliver us again. This is a hope that recognizes right now it might look hopeless to you. And that's okay. Because your hope isn't based on your circumstance. Your hope isn't based on your progress. Your hope isn't based on the moment. Your hope is based on Jesus. And it's okay to not be okay because you know that tomorrow will be a better day. Because in Jesus, like Paul says, he will deliver us again. Paul is saying this, no matter what today looks like, your best days are ahead of you. Y'all tell I'm fired up. I haven't talked to people in five months. Come on now. And in Oregon, people don't holler back at you. They just kind of watch you. So, like, I'm just having fun. I'm sweating. I might as well get a sweat rag and just T.D. Jakes this thing up. As a matter of fact, I got my mask. Look at that. I think it's contaminated. Your best days are ahead of you. But the question then begs. So we've established that there's a hope, and hope has a name, and this name is Jesus. And this hope is solid, and this hope is not irrational. It's not based on the moment, and your best days are ahead of you. But then what do you do with this hope? So do you just sit back, like many of us do, and just say, well, I will wait. I'll just wait, because I know it's coming. Jesus is going to bring my promise, so I'm just going to be patient. No, 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 no. You see, you, you, you can't just sit back and wait for this hope to come to you. Because that's not the nature of this hope. If there's one thing we know in this day and age, because of my new sweat rag, also my mask, we know what contagious is like. We know that it is easily transmitted, that it can be put from person to person. Why? Because it's infectious. And see, this hope, this hope is solid. This hope is, 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 is rational and, and real. And this hope is infectious. Which means you can't just sit back and wait for God to do something for you. As a matter of fact, God wants you to go out and do something for somebody else because you are the hope of the world. Peter, one of Jesus' closest friends, Peter says these words. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the way they wrote in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament. I mean, we just don't write like this anymore. I try to pray like this when I pray. It's like, instead of just saying, like, dear God, it's like, dear great and gracious heavenly Father. Like, it's just, it's just some beautiful words. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be, look at this, caused us to be born again into a, look, at, it doesn't just say hope. He has to add a description to this. He has to add a reality to this into a living hope. In other words, this hope is alive. This hope is breathing. This hope is growing. This hope is going places. This is not a stagnant hope. This isn't an ideology. This isn't an ideal. This is a living hope in Jesus Christ through his resurrection from Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance... That is imperishable. 
It's not taken from you. It can't be stolen from you. It won't deteriorate. It won't diminish. It's not based on the stocks or your 401k or the economy or the weather or anything else. It is imperishable. It is perfect. It is unfading. And it is kept in heaven for you. In other words, Jesus uses the illustration for you and he uses the illustration for me that you and I are the light of the world. How do we be the light of the world? When we are ignited by hope in Jesus Christ and our society and our culture and humanity is looking for hope and progress and in time, but we have the solution to the issues of the problem. I mean, think about it for just a moment. Just a moment. Think about this. What would slavery globally look like if two billion Christians actually believe that they had hope in Jesus Christ? What would hunger in, in Africa and the Middle East look like if two billion Christians recognize that they are the hope and the light of the world? What would tensions and aggressions and issues and all sorts of different problems that our society faces look like if we recognize that this hope that we hold in Jesus Christ is infectious and instead of sitting on it, waiting for it to come our way, that we go out into the world and let the world know that there is not a mask that can hide the contagion of our hope because our hope is based in Jesus. And maybe you already knew this. But today, if you have had a hope, but you look at the present circumstance, you look at the present situation, this is the time where the keyboardist comes out and makes it way better. Like when David or when the king's called, like, hey, bring me a musician. Like, this is it. You had a hope. Your hope was based on your marriage. Your hope was based on that job. Your hope was based on that promise. Your hope was based on that system. But that hope is fading. That hope is evaporating. Can I tell you a reminder that the Bible tells other believers in Hebrews? It says these words, hold fast to the confession of our hope. What is that confession? That Jesus is who he said he is. That he gave you what he said he gave you, life. That, he, that his promises are yes and amen. And that like Dan said, he, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hold, hold on, hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Maybe right now you're in a place where you, you're not holding on. And the encouragement to hold on is irrelevant to you because you haven't even found it yet. Can I take you to the letters of Paul to his friends at the Church of Rome when Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound. I love that word. Abound, excel, progress in hope. Maybe you came in tonight or maybe you're watching from home right now. 
feels like this moment is hopeless. May the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace in believing so that not by your own ability, not by your candidate's ability, not by your social system's ability, not by the movement's ability, not by the building's ability, not by your friend's ability, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You see, we, as followers of Jesus, we're all about hope because we're all about Jesus. And there is in this moment, in this time, hope for everybody. And his name is Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.